Welcome everyone back to the show where true crime meets artistic license. This is the ninth episode of Felons on Film, the penultimate episode of season one. We got one more episode after this, but tonight we are talking about a film that involves a lot of guns. Before I get into it, just want to remind you folks that uh, if you want to follow Felons on Film, we're on the Twitter at Felons on Film, so you can follow us there. And of course, also, if you want to show some support to the show, you can always support us at patreon.com slash geekard. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get some cool exclusives there. Tonight we are looking at the 2003 film, 44 Minutes, The North Hollywood Shootout. It was originally made for TV on the old FX channel. And uh, it stars Michael Madsen, Ron Livingston, Mario Van Peoples, and more. So it's all about uh, a shootout between two bank robbers and a crapload of cops. Needless to say, there's some talk about the amount of guns in this film, definitely. So find out what we thought about 44 Minutes, the North Hollywood shootout, on the latest episode of Felons on Film. Let's go. Time once again to figure out if the crime was worth our time. This is Felons on Film. I'm Andrew Young. And I'm Sparkles. Hi, friends. You did it as a song this time. It's a song now. It's a song. You're welcome. That is my gift for your ear holes. Well, thank you so much. I feel I feel blessed. I you really should do. not. You should not feel blessed. That is a bad gift. <laughs> Turn it. Come with a gift receipt. There you go. This week, we are talking about 44 Minutes, the North Hollywood Shootout. Do we have to? Yeah, we do. Directed by Eves (laughs) Simono, written by Tim Metcalf, and it was produced for FX, the cable station, in 2013. Oh, no, in 2003. In 2003. Okay. Let me say that again. quite different. Yes. You're doing great, sweetie. I believe in you. It was produced for the cable station FX in 2003. Okay. Yes. And so this is based on an event that happened on February 28th, 1997, when Larry Phillips Jr. and Emil Matasarano had the longest shootout with the LAPD in recorded history. Is it still the longest shootout in recorded history? As far as I know, according to Wikipedia, it is. Oh, thank you, Wikipedia. So this happened in 1997. They were bank rob- They were career bank robbers. They had robbed three other banks previously and two armored cars. That would be a weird career day for your kid. Yeah, not true. This was their last big heist, their last big run. They didn't plan for it to be. Yeah, I was going to say that's what it was. Didn't really have an option at the end there. Yeah, so what happened was they had modified AK-47s, 56 S1 S's, and a Bushmaster XM-15 dissipator with a 75-100 round drum magazine. That means nothing to me. That means big fucking guns. Lots of bullets. Yes, with lots of bullets. That's right. Oh, yeah. They also had they, they had homemade Under Armour. Oh, yeah. I saw him put it on his arm in the film. That was a weird one. I've never seen people put, like, armor on their arms. Yeah, it's like he basically, they basically 
had their entire body with like a type of Kevlar in their arms, shoulders, chest, pretty much their entire upper bodies. And I believe their legs as well. They pretty much were like, not their legs? Not in the movie. They might have been real life, but in the movie they didn't. Well, regardless. So basically, they were really well protected. And because of that, the cops were shooting at them with their 9 millimeters and 38 special revolvers. And the bullets were not piercing through. So because of that, they were able to take on a large contingent of the LAPD and hold them at bay while also injuring civilians as well. See, I was with them up until that point. There you go. It was a 44-minute long shootout where the two assailants tried to leave the bank with the money. Now, they went there thinking they were only walking out with $750,000, but they had hit the bank before it had gotten its armored car shipment that day. So they made it out of the bank with $300,000. That's not a lot of money. I mean, it's more money than it is in my bank account, but like, that's not enough money for me. 1997, that was worth a lot more than what it is worth now. Yeah, no, unless there's a desk, like, there's got to be like $1.3 million. Like, there needs to be an M in that (laughs) amount of money for me to go, yes, I will strap shit to me and go steal money. Maybe they were planning to invest and they just needed, they needed seed money. There you go. You know, they are the biggest thieves. They're the biggest scammers. Yes, so there you go. So anyways, the money that they did have of the 300000 did have a couple of wrapped bills that had dye packs in them, which exploded upon them exiting the bank. So they walked away with nothing. So what started out as a bank standoff led to a hasty retreat where one went on foot, the other in the car, and then they ended up getting cut off by a police SWAT team who eventually- Yes, office space guy. Yes, with sufficient, well, we're talking about the real crime right now, with sufficient firepower, and they were able to take them out, and both of them died on February 28th, 1997. They were the only two to die. None of the cops died, none of the civilians died, it was just the two of them. I like to think that office space guy left his office job to become a SWAT. Well, that's great. We'll get into that in a minute. Now, the other thing that a lot of people talk about with this particular shootout is that combined, the two men had fired approximately 1,100 rounds of ammunition and about 650 rounds were fired by the police. But there are some other people that estimate that they actually fired off 2,000 rounds. Counterpoint, does it matter? That's a lot of fucking bullets. For like, as people. soon as there is, there is a comma in the number of bullets, unless... You are changing the amount of, of like digits in the number. I don't actually think it really matters. Like, oh no, it was 1100. Actually, it was 2000 mm, at that point. I am just sharing the facts that it is a debated number. Okay. And I say it's dumb that it was debated. You, you are, you're in a mood tonight here. You're not sparkling tonight. I'm, I am. It's just black sparkle. Goth now. You're goth now, eh? Goth sparkles. This is goth sparkles talking tonight. What is goth sparkles drinking? What is that? Gin smash. (laughs) Gin smash. It's a very goth drink. Yes. Oh, yeah. When I think goth, I think gin smash. I don't think like absinthe or anything like that. I think gin smash. Hey, do you want me to go get absinthe? Because I have absinthe from Poland. I know It's proper. Do. It I has know. that like little worm shit in it. Now, one other thing about uh, these two guys, I mentioned before that they were career criminals, Larry and Phil, uh, as I like to call them now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's Larry and Emil. Uh, Larry and Emil. 
They, uh, better. We see Larry and Phil will be the same guy because his name was Larry Eugene Phillips Jr. So that is, that is too many names. That's why, that's why I'm just calling him Larry. Yeah. <laughs> so, Larry and Emil, as I mentioned, they had robbed a number of banks previously. They had also been taken in on a, just a routine traffic stop for being found with a large amount of weapons and explosives. And they spent time in prison. And when they were let go, they were given back their weapons, but not the explosives. So they kept the explosives, but they were given back the weapons. Okay. Yeah. Now it doesn't say here why, but there is a, there's a reason given in the film. I'm just not sure if it's the actual reason or not. I don't remember the reason. Because they, the they were originally charged with conspiracy to commit robbery, and they both served 100 days in jail, placed three years on probation, but they were given back their guns. So there you go. America. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if they hadn't have given them back their guns, maybe this shootout in 97 wouldn't have happened. Maybe if they just weren't allowed to have guns that were capable of shooting over a thousand bullets, it also I agree. Would have I agree. It just seems, no, that, that's too easy, Andrew. That answer will never work. <laughs> too simple. And we get into the movie here. So it's called 44 Minutes, the North Hollywood shootout. The movie is not 44 minutes long. No, the movie is uh, an hour and 40 minutes. Okay, but the link you sent me was only an hour and 20 minutes. So did I somehow miss? So, so no, so it is an hour. It's, I guess it is an hour and 20 minutes. Sorry there. So yes. That's okay. I was just like, did I somehow miraculously miss 20 minutes of that movie? No, no, you did not. 2003, this film comes out, but it's dealing with yeah. stuff that takes place in the 90s. And so it has a very 90s feel in the sense that the film is done in the style of a news magazine report, cutting to interviews with the cops, presenting yeah. their thoughts on the day. Now, with real shows of that caliber, which were huge in the late 90s. Like I mean, real they've gone away. No, well, now they've kind of gone away, especially with the cancellation of Cops this year. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. But I remember that, was the like, last like of them, that but, style. No, but the news magazine about real cop stories, that oh, was, there yeah. was weekly shows that covered that. Like, there was real stories of the California Highway Patrol and things like that. They were all over syndicated television. Like, we saw, like, Border Control, right? Like, that's still a show. Yeah, that was later. This is specifically cop stuff. There were specifically <laughs> cop shows in the 90s. They were, like, multiple ones, and they were all about the different types of, like, you know, guys on the job. And it was always, like, they'd show reenactments, or sometimes they'd show in-camera footage of them falling around the cops, like cops. And then it would cut to one-on-one -on -one interviews. And so that's what this film is shot like. But the difference being is with this type of story, they would have never had the original footage. It would have been reenactments of the event mm -hmm. cutting to the, the officers. So to me, it was just kind of funny watching this and it's like, oh, the reenactments are being done by the same people who are doing the interviews. So that kind of didn't make the aesthetic work. It's like, if you really wanted this aesthetic to work, you should have just used the real cops. But all of the cops' names were changed and amalgamated into like some characters were two or three cops amalgamated into one and things like that. So they couldn't use the real cops because they had written the real cops' names out of the story. So I was like, okay, so that's what you're doing. Okay, got you there. Complaint, though? Yeah? None of the actors had anywhere near the mustaches that the original cops had. No, they did not. Because most of them didn't have mustaches I know, but in they, the movie. Oh, but they needed them. That would have made the movie better. Like, did you catch that one cop at the end who had, like, a fucking broom on his face? Yeah. 
I loved him. I wanted to kiss that man just to see if I could, like, find his face under his mustache. The cast that they brought in for this, it's a notable cast. You know, you got Michael Madsen, you got Ron Livingston, as you pointed out, from Office Space. Okay, but that first guy just plays cops. Michael Madsen? I've never seen him play not a cop. Do you, have you seen Reservoir Dogs? Oh, have yeah, you, Alex told Have me you seen Kill Bill? I have not seen Have you seen Free Willy? Like when I was a small child. I assume he was trying to kill the whale in that movie though. No, he helped he's the dad who helps free the whale. He's like a good person in that. I have to watch that film again. I so, only ever read. I only recognize Mike, him as yes, like Michael Madsen has played a lot of cops. He just hasn't played solely cops. He's played actually more bad guys than cops. Mm. So I count them as the same. Anyway, so there's this it, guy and then there's Office Space Guy. Yeah, Office Space Guy. And then Mario Van Peoples is also in it. I don't know who that is. Uh, he was the uh, the black cop. Oh, okay. He was the Jesus guy. Yeah, Mary Van Peebles was actually much bigger in the 1980s, but he was still a, a name of note. Can I say that I hated his partner? Really? You hated his partner? Yeah. Why? Spicy Latina woman, because she can handle burnt coffee spilling on her lap because childbirth. I hate that's, not, it. that's not really her fault. That's more the writing's fault. <laughs> I hated it. She's the she is the writing. She is a character. She's the writing. <laughs> she is the writing, and nothing like all of the writing was terrible. But nothing they made her say was good. They right. they threw her in there to be like, oh yeah, women can be cops too. Yeah, and I believe that that was an actual choice because I don't think her character was actually based on any of the officers that were highlighted in the actual story. No. She was. She didn't have any of those weird cutaways to like give the interview. She didn't. She wasn't mentioned in the ad credits. Like they just threw her in for woman. Ha! There we go. See, we are a diverse cast. So Winston, they threw her in for women. Ha! Is that the? Yeah. Just is ha. That, is that like a movement? Ha. Yep. We are a diverse cast. See, we have a woman. We have you a see woman. Fem- we have a woman. Ha! There we. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. That's the not woman. The film takes place in the in the actual time that the uh, the crime took place in, which is the late '90s. Which, of mm-hmm. course, for five years, the LAPD had a black mark on itself due to the Rodney King beating. And yes. then, as time time went by, that actual reputation got even worse. With Mark Furman testifying at the O.J. Simpson trial and his racial slurs becoming public knowledge as well that was a good trial <laughs> so. that trial gave us kim kardashian i argue only good things came from that trial i you know what i don't i don't think i think she still would have become famous for just being famous without that trial but she was famous because her dad was the lawyer like he was a well-known lawyer before but he was yes but, but her mom ended up marrying a former track star who then had a uh, gender reassignment. So she would end up being famous anyways, is what I'm saying. I don't think she would have been that famous, though. Regardless of Kim Kardashian's fame or not, which has nothing to do with this. Um, It has everything to do with it, because you mentioned O.J. Simpson. It's your fault. Anyways, so by 1997, of course, the uh, LAPD, not very liked by the community. And then this crime happens and suddenly the public has more of a 
happier demeanor towards the LAPD and sees them as heroes once again. And it's even said near the end, one of the cops points out on how that was serendipitous for them. (laughs) How lucky that it happens. One thing that I didn't mention that is mentioned at the end of the film, before we get into actually talking about the film itself, is that at the end of the film, there's like a quick blurb about different things that happen. And then they put up, the last that they put up is after the events that transpired on February 28th, 1997, the uh, LAPD was then allowed to carry AK-47 rifle. (laughs) And it's like, it's like, you do realize that this bank robbery is not going to happen every day of the week, folks. (laughs) I I saw that. I just yelled, Oh good. That's the outcome I was hoping for when I watched this movie. And I'm just, I'm so glad just, Yeah. Congratulations on learning nothing. Yeah. Well, the one thing that's kind of uh, a through line throughout this story is, and it's something that is kind of, you know, fitting, you know, and fits in with the times today is that there's a number of cops in this film who are using poor public opinion as an excuse to say my life is hard. Mm, Yeah. I didn't think about that before. That they're kind of like, well, Michael Madsen's character, of course, when he talks to Katrina Law, who's the reporter at the courthouse, he brings up the, say, oh, you know, Rodney King gets beaten back in 1992, and now we're all racist and evil and blah, blah, blah. He's doing a poor me. Then you got Ron Livingston, who kind of screws up in his SWAT assignment, and he's, he's benched. He's sent home. And up until the bank robbery, every scene you see with him, it's a poor me. Poor me. I'm so, oh, so hard done to. The cops, I don't know if it was the intention of the film, because the intention of the film seems to be very pro-cop, but all of the cops come off as, until they start, you know, getting in the shit, as whiny bitches. (laughs) (laughs) And Mario Van Peoples, his attempts on trying to, you know, clean up the streets and things like that with the the kid that they pick up and everything like that for the domestic abuse and all that, it's very after-school special. He's trying to do Scared Straight in the back of a police car. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of the characters are not likable, but the film is really trying hard, like in the narrative, to make them likable. It's mm-hmm. odd contrast that I was watching going, wow, this is like two movies at once. It's like, there are two narratives going here. One saying the cops are great. The other saying that these cops are dicks. It's a possibility that it's like the two audiences can get what they want, but really, I just don't see anybody not noticing how, how much of a dicks they are in their life before they get into the nitty gritty of the event. I'm glad that you mentioned it because I honestly, like I wasn't, I just assumed that I thought they were dicks because I thought they were dicks. I was like, oh, obviously I don't like the cops. There we go. So the fact that you also didn't like the cops makes me feel a bit better. Like, oh no, it wasn't just me having previous opinions before coming into this film. The film actually is making them seem like just the worst. The movie focuses on the bank for about the midway through the film. There's like a lot of interiors in the bank and the bank managers and stuff like that. That one character was very strange. Which one? That one character who hated his job, who was introduced with that bank manager being like, someday if you work really hard, you can have champagne too. And he was like, gee willikers, thanks. I don't think the assistant bank manager hated his job. I think he just hated the bank manager. He was just... He, because he was a every weird other, character. But every other scene that I saw him in, he seemed to be very happy. Even when he was being held up, he kind of still seemed happy. In the actual story, I think they just took all the money and put it in a bag, and that's how the, uh, the dye bags ended up in there. But the film set it up to make him the guy who put the dye bags into their bag. And he got really happy when that dye bag went off. Like, they actually cut to a shot of him, and he's, like, smiling. He's like, yes, I did good. 
And then the guys come in and start shooting the crap out of the place. So it's like, did you, did you did do you good? Know? You said at the beginning that the place was insured up the ass. You said, so why? yeah, so why, like, you put yourself at risk by putting those dye bags in there. He knows exactly who did it because you were the only one in the vault with him. <laughs> Honestly, if I can be 100% honest with this film, I don't remember huge parts of it. Okay. I watched it all. I can tell you the general gist of what happened, but I cannot tell you specifics. Past what I have written in my very specific notes, I cannot tell you. All I remember is that this film is gun porn. Is gun porn. Yeah, there's a lot it's, of guns. There's a lot of guns. There's it's a lot of guns. It's a lot of slow shots of bullets. It's a lot of slow, slow shots of bullets hitting the ground after being shot. It's a lot of really gratuit, like really graphic gunshot wounds that don't match the rest of this fucking film. It's just gun porn. So I tuned out a lot. I understand. Now, it's interesting that you bring up the gun porn because there's a very small subplot which kind of just comes out of nowhere near the end of the second act where there's a couple of uniformed cops in a cruiser who are nowhere near the event who realize, oh, they got heavy firepower. So they go into a gun shop and start buying up all the, well, not buying up, but borrowing all the guns because of the Uh situation. And then they get caught in a traffic jam. And so they have to get a, they have to pay a bum for a shopping cart so they can put all the guns into the shopping cart and take it through the traffic jam. And then when they get there, it's all over. Yes. Now, here's the thing that's kind of dumb is that in real life, they did get guns from a gun shop and they actually used them. So the point of having the story of these guys with the guns that didn't get to use them was like, did you realize, oh, we need to fill 15 minutes. We're 15 minutes light in this film. Let's create like a subplot of two cops who are trying to help out getting guns. But if they did get the guns from the gun shop, then why didn't they just arrive in time? This is what I'm asking. Like, why isn't that just the plot? Because that's the plot of what actually really happened. I have no idea. Well, again, they changed all the cops' names, even though the cops were known who they were. The and cops probably were like, mm, could you change my name, please? I don't want my name attached to this. Well, then they wouldn't be. Why would they have their names at the end then? Mm. <laughs> and their faces. <laughs> Point. That to me was like the real sticking point that it's like, well, it says that they actually got rifles from a gun shop and they used them to help take them down with the SWAT team. And then in the movie, no, they didn't. It just seems uneven. It's like, if that's, if you're going to include that plot point. Then just like carry it all the way through. You've heard of Chekhov's gun. Well, that's Chekhov's freaking shopping cart full of rifles. (laughs) None of them went off. I don't. What is this movie? What did you make me watch? You've made me watch a lot of stinkers too. Now we're going to do a segment that we tried to do on the last time show. Yes. You were too shy to uh, share the segment last time. This time you're going to be sharing it. It's called Elspeth Reads Your Notes Verbatim. First note is, Andrew, this movie is bad. That's my first note. That your first and then note, it goes, right? yeah. Dear Andrew, is this movie punishment? I accept it. I know I've done you dirty with some of my choices, but please know it's very painful. Love, Elspeth. See, I acknowledged I was nice. Oh, I asked, why do they always line up the bullets? So the bullets come in this little house, right? Where they each have their own little space and they're all socially distanced and it's great. And then they take them out of the little house and put them on the table. And when they put them on the table, they line them up and then they take them off the table and they put them in their gun. Why don't they take them from their little house 
and put them into the gun. Okay, so I was born in 1980. I'm 40 years old. Yeah. This entire time, I've never left Canada. I've never held a gun in my hand. Oh, um, I have. I have uh, I've never shot a gun. Um, I have never handled bullets. Why the fuck would I know? <laughs> <laughs> I have shot a gun before because okay. I lived in Alberta, and that's sort of just mandatory there. I've never handled bullets which is probably smart considering how I shot the gun. But I don't understand why they take them out of their little house and put them on the table. Especially for those big round guns that they had where they don't have little individual slots. They just get piled in there anyway. Well, they don't get piled in there. They have to be lined up in there as well. If you notice when the guy was loading it, he didn't just go mash it in there. He was like sticking them in like a thing. Oh, I know, but that's because he took them out. He took all the time to take them out of the little house and line them up on the table. He's not just going to like scoop them in for after making such taking such care to line them up. He put them in a queue. He did, and it's possibly so that the cameras could get a good shot of said bullets. Because it's gun porn, right? Um, and after I realized that that guy was in office space, I stopped actually taking notes because I stopped actually watching the movie. That's great. <laughs> I tuned back in for like the middle part. I remember the, the, the shopping cart scene and then there was just more gunfire. Basically every time there was a lot of gunfire in this film, I tuned out because okay. it was just a lot of gunfire and I couldn't figure out what was happening. Okay, wait a second. You do realize that the, like when we talked about this. It's called 44 Minutes, the North Hollywood shootout. Yeah. I told you it was the longest shootout in LAPD history. Okay. I told you that it took 44 minutes of them firing at each other. Did you think it was just like, pew, pew? No. It's got, also these these criminals in real life, they took semi-automatic weapons and modified them so they were fully automatic. So they would just keep firing. Okay, so I will I will accept responsibility for this because I did not read about the film before you sent me the link. But also, there were like five minute chunks of this movie where nothing was happening except gunfire. And then someone would say something and then there would be another four or five minute chunk where there was nothing but gunfire. No dialogue. I couldn't. I tried. There actually was some dialogue during those scenes. It was usually like, watch out. Oh, ah. Things like yeah, that. Yeah, like nothing meaningful. <laughs> what did you say? It's like, <laughs> gunfire's going off. A guy gets up to a soliloquy. Oh, if only we could stop these guns from happening. Okay, you're joking, but that would have made this movie better. Yes, yes. Also, quick point that I didn't put in my notes. I was very angry that they introduced the pregnant wife by throwing up. Because that's just a Hollywood trope I don't like. Well, speaking of Hollywood tropes. You're like, I don't that, care. That particular scene starts with Michael Madsen's character going over to his neighbors who are having a raging party and says, hey, can you guys like, uh, you guys turn the music down? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then he turns the music up again. The usual trope is guy goes back, mm-hmm. knocks on the door and then punches him out. The fact that he went and cut his power, I thought, oh, see, that's, that's funny to me. That it was sort of like, okay. When he like died though? Not Wouldn't he have been electrocuted? No, because it, was, it wasn't a stripped wire. But like his metal trunks would have touched the wire. Yeah, but it would have clipped through pretty quick. Oh, okay. I've All seen right. people cut things. Uh, okay. Not every... You, like, you don't like electrical through. things or just yes. like tomatoes? <laughs> Both. <laughs> and even electrified tomatoes. Oh, but, what? You didn't invite me to that party. No, I didn't. 
like that's the thing it's like not every time that you snip something is like oh electrocution it's just like not every time that you fire at a car the bullet hits the gas tank and the entire thing explodes you know in fact that never happens that never happens that never happened. That's not a thing. Why Why was the guy driving so slowly? Which guy? At the very end. Oh, because he was he was injured and his car was all shot up. Oh, okay. Yeah, I definitely missed why he was driving slowly. I like tuned back in and I was like, why is he going two miles an hour? And that like getting out of the car to try to get the other car and the other car speeding away was the saddest moment in this film. Well, that's the whole point. Basically, after they lose the money and mm. they get they get a bit injured and their car gets shot up, they really are just on fight or flight. They're trying to think, I can still get out of this when it's obvious they can't. Yeah. Second question. So they've done this before. Why do they live in such a shitty little house? They're probably not very good with money. I, that joke I made earlier about investing was a joke. Like they actually, <laughs> they're not good with money. If they were good with money... With the scores they had taken over time, they probably could have turned that into something and not had to rob anymore. <laughs> they could have just built a second bedroom onto their little house. Maybe that wasn't their like permanent residence. Maybe that's where they stayed when they were planning a heist. Ah. Or... Okay, I'm good with that answer. You good with that answer? Yeah. Okay, yeah. fair enough. I'm... Well, I think it's pretty obvious that you didn't like the film. Oh, what are you talking about? I loved it. <laughs> Fucking favorite film of the season. Favorite film of the season, eh? Really? No, not even a little bit. No, not even a little bit. I will say, with the cast, I was expecting more out of the film because it is a good cast. If you put this cast in a better film, it, yeah. like, like a film worthy of their talents, it would be worth it. Oh, I have another quick question. Why was one of the SWAT team in shorts? I have an even better question. Why wasn't the rest of the SWAT team in shorts? There we go. I would have liked to see Office Space Guy in shorts. His cute little chubby face. Mm-mm-mm. He doesn't really have a chubby face. I, he does. I think yeah. he has like this cute little round face with these cute little big cheeks. And I just want to squish him. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So, Sorry. needless to say, don't really go out of your way to see 44 Minutes of North Hollywood Shootout. Although the idea of the shootout itself is what intrigued me, which is why I picked the film. And maybe in the hands of a better director and a better writer, you'd have a better film. Yeah. That's usually think, how it I, works. Yeah. If you have better director and just all over better writing, just scrap the whole thing and write it better and it would be a better film. There we go. If you're really interested in watching something like this, there's a podcast on cops. I think it's actually just called cops. Um, and that is fascinating. That is how the television show has influenced and impacted the communities that it's filmed in and how they cut corners and basically why they've been voted out of the communities that they've been filming in. That is a really interesting story. Much better than this story. There you go. All righty. Well, then check that out, I guess. <laughs> I probably won't. <laughs> no, you probably won't. But like I said, it's very interesting, I found. There we go. All right, well, we've come to the end of this episode. The next Thank episode goodness. you're going to hear is our actual season finale. Yes, and I don't think we've decided on a film for that we one. We did actually decide on a film. You've oh, just of course forgotten. we did. Oh, that makes you sense. You actually was the one. That, you're the one that actually picked it when we talked about it. Well, last time we talked about it, I feel like we talked about like three options. No, we just nope. no okay. one. And that cool, was- I'm imagining things. That's fine. That's not the first time that's happened, has it? I'm probably on a lot of drugs. It's okay. The film is 2013's Phil Spector, starring Al Pacino (gasps) and Helen Mirren, directed by David Mamet. 
an HBO production. So it's going to be good. Well, maybe. I've never seen it before. Yeah, neither have I. I actually have no opinion on this, except it has Helen Mirren in it, so like... Hmm. Out of the nine films we've watched so far, I think we've agreed that Zodiac was good. Yeah, yeah, Zodiac's and, like okay. And that's probably the only one. Uh, yeah, yep, that's the only oh, one. Oh, no, Stone of Destiny. We both like Stone of Destiny. Re- different reasons, but yes. <laughs> I'll still count it, though, because we, we've liked it. Yeah. So we'll see if Phil Spector has us agreeing again or not in our season finale. But for now, we must bid you adieu. This has been Felons on Film. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Goth Sparkles. Bye, friends.